place it comfortably. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone on Zoom. If it is morning, maybe, maybe afternoon or in middle of the night over there. Um, I'd like to give a talk. I haven't given a talk for a while on a on a koan, and uh, I'd like to give a, a talk on the koan, which is the twenty third case from the Mumonkan, which is Hui Neng, neither good nor evil. Um, this this um, koan is actually a great story, as far as stories are concerned, and. Um, if someone hasn't done it already, like in Japan or China, it'd make a great play um, because it's got so many um, archetypal kind of meanings that come through it. And like any good story, it's got a, a good kind of preamble as a beginning and then it's got a, it builds up to a crisis point and then there's a resolution. Um, so it really, it really is a wonderful story about um, our tradition, but it's not just a historical story. It has, like any koan, um, it has great relevance for our, our practice right now. And in many ways, it's a story which shows how the original teachings of a religion, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism, but in this case, Buddhism, how the original teachings can be distorted when things become institutionalised and people develop groups and become competitive for status and things like this. And then the, 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 the true meaning of the practice is lost. But in this practice, it kind of shows where it, it can be lost, but it comes back on track again. And how even all of that, that um, grasping and competition, you know, to be better or to be superior, e even that is part of the practice. Mm -hmm. But anyway, what I'll do is I'll, I'll read you the, the actual case of the koan and then we'll go back to the backstory around it. So the case is the sixth ancestor, uh, that's Hui Ning, was pursued by Ming, the head monk, as far as Taiyu Peak. The teacher, seeing Ming coming, laid the robe and bowl on a rock and said, this robe represents the Dharma. There should be no fighting over it. You may take it back with you. Ming tried to lift it up, but it was as immovable as a mountain. Shivering and trembling, he said, I came for the Dharma, not the robe. I beg you, lay brother, please open the way for me. The teacher said, don't think good, don't think evil. At this very moment, what is the original face of Ming, the head monk? In that instant, Ming had great satori. Sweat ran from his entire body. In tears, he made his bows, saying, beside these secret words and secret meanings, is there anything of further significance? The teacher said, what I have just conveyed to you is not secret. If you reflect on your own face, whatever is secret will be right there with you. Ming said, Though I practiced at Huang Mei, Huang Mei with the assembly, 
I could not truly realise my original face. Now, thanks to your pointed instruction, I'm like someone who drinks water and knows personally whether it is cold or warm. Lay brother, you are now my teacher. The teacher said, if you can say that, then let both of us call Queen May our teacher. Maintain your realisation carefully. And um, Mumon's comment on the, on, the, on the case. It must be said that the sixth ancestor forgets himself completely in taking action here. He is like a kindly grandmother who peels a fresh lychee, removes the seed and puts it into your mouth. Then all you need to do is swallow it down. Typical Zen grandmotherly kindness. So a little bit of backstory of Hui Ning, which um, and his his lowly beginnings um, are part of the, the archetypal nature of this koan. But the backstory was was that he was um, an illiterate peasant, and it said that one day he heard the um, the uh, Heart Sutra being recited by monk, like we did this morning. And he had some um, awakening experience from it and decided that he needed to pursue this further and, and, to, and to join a, a Zen community to pursue Buddhist practice. So he, he sought out the, um, the fifth founding teacher, um, Hung Jun, and, um, and went to his monastery and then an interesting conversation takes place. The te- he comes up to the, the temple and the, the teacher asks him, uh, where are you from that you come to this mountain making obeisance to me? What is it that you seek here? What are you coming for? Huyning said, I, I come from Lingnan in the south. I have come this long distance seeking no particular thing. Only the Buddha Dharma. Hung Jen said, If you're from Ling Nan, then you're a barbarian. How can you become a Buddha? Right? Like, like a saying, Queensland, you're from Queensland. Right? You're a cane toad. How can cane toads become Buddhas? Right? So he's challenging, right? See, see what reaction he gets from him. Um, Hung Lin said, Though people from the north and the south are different, there's no north or south in the Dharma or in Buddha nature. Though my barbarian's body and your body are not the same, what difference is there in our Buddha nature? Hmm. That was a challenge back to the teacher. Uh-huh. So um, Hung Chung thought, hmm, this has got a, got a live coal here. Um, you know, this is interesting, right? So, but he doesn't give him any kind of affirmation at first. Typical Zen teacher, he puts him down doing some manual work, you know, shredding the, the rice, you know, for, for 12 months, just doing some mundane sort of everyday kind of work. See what he does with that. See where he, see where he goes with that. And um, then as time passed, Hong Jing was getting much older and he felt the need to, to um, name a successor. So he, he created a contest to do this. And the contest was that um, anyone was able to anonymously um, write a poem on the wall, just a brief poem like a haiku, 
which would demonstrate their understanding of the Dharma. And so the head monk, Ming, um, puts up the first one. And his, his poem is, the, bod- the body is the Bodhi tree. The mind is like a clear mirror. Moment by moment, wipe the mirror carefully. Let there be no dust upon it. Pretty good poem. Um, and um, Hung Jung praised the poem. Um, and then when Hui Neng heard about it, um, in the meantime, he'd learned how to write. <laughs> um, um, he put this poem up underneath it. Body really has no tree. The mirror too has no stand. From the beginning, there's nothing at all. Where can any dust alight? So he speaks from the position of emptiness or insight, not from the position of practice. The position of practice is polishing the mirror, right? Um, but the, the position of no practice, this is no practice that needs to be done because everything is perfect the way it is. And Joko gave a number of talks on this koan. I remember quite clearly saying, oh, well, everyone wants to identify with Hui Ning, you know, the, the point of insight. But the head monk, that's, that's, the, that's the point of practice, right? We all need to do the polishing, right? So this is another, another dualism. You know, one of the first dualisms about lowly and high, you know, the lowly, the lowly monk, peasant coming in from the south, it's just a cane toad coming in, right? But this second one is also about the superiority that can come into place around the superiority of insight to everyday practice, right? Another, another dualism. Um, so what happened is that um, everyone was impressed with the second poem, including the teacher, and um, he took uh, Hui Ning aside and had a secret confidential meeting with him. And he said, I'm giving you Dharma transmission, I'm handing over the robe and the bowl, which up to that point was the, the robe and the bowl of Bodhidharma that was passed on as a symbol of the transmission. But he said, look, everyone's going to be really angry that I've done this and really jealous. So you better get out of here and just get away from the temple, you know, because I'm worried about your safety. Um, and he said, I'll, I'll row you across the river um, in, the, in the midnight, you know, and then you go off. And, and he says, um, I don't want you to teach for quite a few years, you know, like, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years. I want you to polish your realisation before you teach, right? So he gets the transmission because he speaks from the place of insight, not the polishing of the mirror. But after he's had the insight, his teacher says, polish the mirror. Mm-hmm. Just keep, keep having life experiences and learning from life experiences and, uh, and deepening this, this, this sense of non-duality, right? The things just as they are through all the circumstances of your life. Then, then start teaching. Mm-hmm. So anyway, word got around that, um, that the, the abbot had given transmission to Hui Neng and that he'd already, you know, made a run for it. And they, they were all outraged, you know, and um, they thought that the teacher had actually got too old and become demented and just made a mistake, you know. And so they pursued him and they, so they all pursued him through the forest and so on. Um, but most of them gave up. Um, 
maybe because they, they, they didn't have enough willpower, you know, or, or passion. But Ming, who was the head monk, he was an ex-general um, soldier in the army. He was a big, robust man, and he, he kept pursuing Hui Neng um, and didn't give up. He was the most passionate of all of them um, until he finally caught up with him. And when he caught up with him, um, Hui, he said, I've come for the robe and the bowl. And Hui Neng said, he laid them out on the, on the ground. And he said, well, here they are. You, you can have them if you want them. You know, they're free for you, free to take. So no, no clinging, no clinging to the, to the status at all. You are. Um, Ming then tries to pick them up and can't. They're kind of, he, he, can't, he can't move them. They're stuck to the ground. Uh-huh. And um, probably, you know, what comes to mind is the Excalibur sword in the in the mm-hmm. in the Arthur. You can't pull the sword out, mm-hmm. and and not being able to pull the sword out, you know, or not being able to lift the robe and the bowl is, in a sense, a a, a symbol of stuckness, right? Like we're trying we're trying to get some, somewhere with the Dharma, and the more we try to get somewhere, the more we are stuck. Right, so the more he uses effort to try and lift it up, he can't. And then, then a, a conversation happens between the two, um, and uh, it seemed after. I'll read it directly. It seems, however, that with all, all his exertions, Ming's anger drained away and there was nothing left in his mind, just running after Hui Ning. Six ancestors, seeing him coming, laid the robe and bowl on a rock and said, this robe represents the Dharma. There should be no fighting over it. You can take it back with you. Ming tried to lift it up, but it was immovable um, as, as the mountain. And then... Um, now that Ming was kind of stuck, right, he couldn't, couldn't move it, he had, there was kind of a dropping away of all this drive and passion and ambition and something else happened, you know, and he, he said, uh, I've come for the Dharma, not the robe. Like, so in that, that moment, this, this moment of sincerity comes through. It's not about the robe and the bowl or any kind of symbol, it's just the Dharma. And um, he said, I beg of you, lay brother, open the way for me, say say some turning words so I can can open my mind and be free from all of these concepts. Huining said, don't think good, don't think evil. Um, And this is what we say in the um, the faith in mind that we recited today, to set up what you like against what you don't like is a disease of the mind. Um, comparisons are odious. Right? Um, and then he goes on to say, at this very moment, what is the original face of Ming, the head monk? And at this, he had a great realisation. And that takes us back to the case again. Sweat ran from his entire body in tears, he asked, Beside these secret words and secret meanings, is there anything of further significance? 
Those words um, kind of indicate that while he had an opening, it wasn't completely open because if he, it was completely opened, he wouldn't have said, are there any other secret words? There's nothing secret. There's nothing secret or esoteric in Zen. There's nothing in the teaching I've received or the teaching you received or anyone else down the generations is esoteric. There's no, there's no secrets. It's all here in, in front of us, but we can't see it. <clears throat> so Ming said, though I practised at Hui Mei with the assembly, I could not truly realise my original face. Um, and he thanked him for his instruction. Right. And then he asked him, he asked Hui Ning, could you be my teacher? And then in, in an act of generosity and being true to his teacher's statement, I don't want you to teach it, he said, well, let's make Hong Jung, the abbot, our, our mutual teacher. I, I, I'm not your teacher. So he wasn't trying to elevate himself into the, that, that position. It was a sort of a, a humble response back to the humility and sincerity right, of Ming. Let's just make, let's make our bows to our, our teacher that we have in common. So that's where the, the story ends. But where, from what we know, I mean, it's just a story, but Ming, Ming's job then, his work is to go back to the temple and restore harmony. Right? Um, with this new awakening, there's no fight between him and the person who got the robe and the bowl. Everyone needs to settle down. <laughs> Right? and get on with the practice about realising their true nature rather than getting caught up in high and low, good and bad, you know, who's, who's, got the, who's got the transmission, who hasn't got the transmission, who's enlightened, who's not. All of that's just rubbish. Right? But to bring us back full circle to the original teachings of the Buddha, as you know, the, the second noble truth first noble truth is that there is suffering and dissatisfaction. The cause is that it's caused by grasping and aversion and apathy. I often half-jokingly refer to it as three A's, attachment, aversion and apathy. So we're, we're grasping after what we want and we have aversion to what we don't want. Like Joko said in the cocoon of pain, we're, we're, we're grasping after pleasant and we don't want anything unpleasant in our life. And it's through that that we then get caught up in this pursuit of grasping at good, wanting to be good, aversion to evil, etc., etc. When Ming realises what his original face is, he's realising a goodness which is, in a sense, more basic than what we call good and bad. Uh -huh. Our Buddha nature is essentially good in that it's non-egotistic and when we have a realisation whatever way we may describe it if it's genuine that cause of suffering the grasping and aversion dissolves right or at least partially dissolves and loosens right and we have to keep working with it but if someone was completely enlightened that that grasping at pleasure and the aversion to pain or just being apathetic and being indifferent has, has dropped away. So it's true, as it says in, in the Heart Sutra, there's no attainment. 
You don't attain anything because everything is just as it is. What changes is that grasping aversion dynamic in our mind weakens or it just dissolves. And then we, we live life without all of these complexities, you know, competing with others, you know, high and low, striving for something else other than what is just here. So this koan is a lovely story, it's a lovely archetypal story. But like all stories, it has a very good resolution in that it brings us back to what the original teaching is, you know, which is to realise the true nature of all things um, and not to get caught up in the, um, the, uh, the institutional uh, competitiveness you know, or, or status which is driven by um, needing to succeed. In conclusion, when I went over this koan again, I came back to mind um, the words of um, William Blake, the English poet, um, who I really like. And he once said that a wise man is a fool who persists in his folly. Uh And that was very, that's that's very true of Ming, the head monk, This, this folly of chasing after something that he was, you know, wanting to possess and chasing it so hard and being such a, a fool to the nth degree that something, something turns, right? And isn't he a bit like you and me? <laughs> okay. Thank you.